It's a special episode of the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. We're going to hear from Jake and Anna from our team, who recently got to take a trip to the Holy Land. On their trip, they had some incredible experiences, saw some incredible places, met some incredible people, and so they've got some things to share with us, as well as some connections to the work that we do here in Outdoor Ministry. Welcome to the Sacred Playground Podcast, where we dive into theology, research and insights, and practical wisdom for outdoor ministry leaders today. I'm your host, Jared Randell, camp enthusiast and part of the Sacred Playgrounds team. This podcast features Dr. Jake Sorensen, a scholar, practitioner, author, and founder of Sacred Playgrounds, who's helping camp leaders think more deeply about outdoor ministry and the impact that it's making. Wonder with us what God might have in store for you at your Sacred Playground. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the playground. Here we are. The Sacred Playgrounds podcast. We've got a special episode today, so we're excited to have two people on. Uh, Jake, whose voice you hear plenty, and Anna, whose voice you hear sometimes uh, here in this podcast. They're both on, on here today because we have a special episode because of something that these guys got to do together. Now, you office back to back because you're married, in case people don't know that or they're listening to this for the first time. So you're together all the time, but this, you got to move out of the cold basement that you're in and go on big adventure. We sure did. You know, we like hanging out together. And so this was actually a, That's a, good a start. Very fun thing for us. <laughs> you know, we, uh, <laughs> you know, I started this your playgrounds thing, um, you know, mostly by myself, but I could not have done it without my wife just would not have been a possible venture. Uh, not only uh, her support saying, oh, yeah, do it and encouragement. Um, but also her financial support of this and saying, mm-hmm. yes, we can do this together. So this has been a shared venture. And so we love going on adventures together. We've done a lot of different things. Um, and this was a brand new adventure for us. And so it was fun to travel together. Yeah. I don't know if you, listeners know this. We met at camp. So I think adventure is kind of a foundational piece for us. That's an interesting point, right? That That's highly tied. To literally all of your experience together, got to do different things in one way or the other, but have stayed connected in in lots of ways. That's part of why we all work. That was kind of part of ours, part of mine, too. So our plan for this episode, everyone, is is we're going to talk about the adventure that Jake and Anna got to take recently to the Holy Land. And so this will be a, a little bit of kind of a trip review, but they also found some interesting connections to the work that they're doing that we're all doing. And so that has been fun to hear. So they're going to they're going to take some time to talk through this. There's a connection here, right, Jake? Like, there's kind of a, why are we doing this? We have a plenty of stuff we could talk about. Content never ending, and we just got done with all this data. But it's fun to take some time to do this. And, and you saw some of these connections. So when you think about why we're like, yeah, let's take some time on this podcast for these listeners to talk about this thing. Yeah, so this is something that I, I think is really interesting and important to talk about. It connects with what camp is. How can we talk about the experience of camp and how it impacts us? Uh, What are sort of like experiences? Because sometimes people get back from camp, they just don't know how to describe it. And sometimes pastors and people who theorize about different religious experiences, uh, they sort of dismiss camp or or put it in the category of six flags, right? Hmm. It's 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 a youth group trip that's just for fun. It doesn't have really deep theological significance. And and I really think of camp more like a pilgrimage. 
And so pilgrimage is a time-honored religious practice and mm-hmm. tradition that is present in a lot of different religious traditions, including all of the different uh, sects of Christianity. And so one of the books that I love and that I recommend to people about uh, pilgrimage is called Practicing Pilgrimage, and it's by Brett Webb Mitchell. And he really goes into what are some of the important pieces of a pilgrimage. Um, and, and camp sure. really has a lot of those those aspects. And so that's where I, I look at camp as sort of a, uh, akin to a pilgrimage. I um, mean, of course, this trip to the Holy Land was an actual pilgrimage. It's one of the, the most popular mm-hmm. pilgrim sites throughout history. Um, different people from around the world have sought to make a pilgrimage to these holy places or holy sites. And, and Jerusalem and the Holy Land definitely want a top of the list in, in terms of where people go in terms right, of pilgrimage. Right. And so that's, that's one of the ways that I make that connection. Um, I also um, I think of my friend, uh, Jason Santos, actually our friend, we, we, uh, he was a, a friend at seminary uh, with us. Um, and he's written specifically about the Taze community um, and the monasticism in, in Taze and what that sure. means spiritually and spiritual and, and in terms of spirituality and spiritual growth. And people take pilgrimages to Taze uh, to learn from those folks. And so uh, when I have conversations with him, we often talk about the camp experience in that way where the staff members are there preparing this space and preparing a community and they're welcoming people week after week into this community where they become part of this worshiping group. Mm-hmm. They're welcomed into this community that has already been formed. And so camp is akin to some of these other experiences. And, and it really does connect well to this idea of pilgrimage. We're going from a place in our life away for a specific experience. We're having this experience with other people. And, and then we're, we're traveling back and we're incorporating what we've done into our daily lives. And so as we think about camp in that way, our experience, our pilgrimage to the Holy Land goes through my head because I'm still processing it. And so one of the things that I do is process sure. out loud. And so this is really helpful. I'm glad that, <laughs> that you were willing to talk through this with us today because there's a lot to process. And, yeah. and the same is true from the, of the camp experience, right? Yep. When young people get home, they need a chance to process it. What happened? How is it going to change you? How does it fit into your story? And through speaking about it, through testimony, it becomes part of our story and we incorporate it into our narrative. Yeah. Okay. So this trip, Anna, feel free to say more about that. This trip was, you, you did this in early 2023 here. That wasn't the first time it was scheduled, right? No. Um, well, I think the Holy Land has been a dream of Jake's for a long, long time. He tried to go as a student, and then uh, the second intifada happened, and the State Department said, no, students aren't going. So that Hmm. put the kibosh on your first plan. Um, We signed up for this pilgrimage in 2019, and I can't even remember why the first attempt to go, for some reason, it didn't work. The, The tour guide couldn't make it happen. So it got postponed to 2020. Well, we all know what happened then. And then it was postponed again and it got postponed again and we couldn't make it work in our family schedule. So it's been a long time in coming for us to finally step foot uh, in, onto the lands where Jesus walked. It got to the point where I thought it was never going to happen. And, uh, you know, sure. I, I started with building it up as this 
you know, eschatological experience. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, it'll always be just out of reach. I won't be able to quite do it. Um, and then, you know, so it gave some import to the, the, the experience sure. uh, that I was just like, oh, if it actually happens, then what? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I don't want it to be the end. Right. Uh, so right. Um, and of, of course, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, we had a we had an amazing tour guide and went with a wonderful group of pastors. It was a um, yeah. it was designed trip by Elias Tours. Um, and uh, he's a Palestinian Christian and really focuses the trip around going to the different sites that are significant to Christians, uh, both in Galilee and in Judea. Um, and this mm. this trip was focused on the pastors that might in the future be interested in bringing a group. And so it was it was really fun to to be with some of our colleagues uh, on this trip in the Holy Land. I bet you know, having most of those folks gone through seminary, having spent time diving deep into all of these biblical stories and and the other around it. And then I bet that brought some depth to it. Interesting. Oh, yeah. We were blessed to have a, a biblical scholar on the trip to lead us mm-hmm. in scripture study and then. A lot of people just saying, well, how am I how am I going to use this when I get home in my preaching and my teaching? Yeah, there was just a lot of fruitful conversations. Yeah. Shout out to Dr. Michael Chan, who is uh, was at Luther Seminary for a lot of years and now is up at Concordia Moorhead. So give us a highlight. I mean, that's a little bit of kind of the things that you did. You went, you you know, different sites and sounds like some conversation intentionally in between. And along with just the sort of regular the travel and the meals and the, and the things like that, have you got a highlight? Have you got a, a part that was kind of your favorite or uh, that you want to lift up? Yeah. Um, two highlights for me and both of them up in the northern part of the country and the beginning of our trip. Actually, I think it was the same day, too. Now that I think about it, we got to go um, to Caesarea Philippi. Uh, which is way up in the mountains, really, really close to the Syrian border um, up in the Golan. And Mm. it was, I mean, I love the mountains anyway. So we're in a, you know, mountains make my heart sing and we're up there and we are learning about Jesus teaching his disciples how to be disciples. (laughs) You know, that part of his ministry where he's training them. Um, And we got to see this cave. And the name of the cave is the Gates of Hades, which Mm. Jesus refers Mm. to when he's talking to Peter, the Gates of Hades, you know, upon upon Peter, upon you, I will build my church and the Gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I just kind of had this jaw drop. That's a real place. Mm. And it was a place where there was um, a temple. Um, Help me out, Jake. The temple was to. There were two temples. One was to Jupiter and one was to Pan. So the temple, the Jupiter was over the mouth of the gates of Hades. And so there's this contrast of sure. Peter and the, the church that will be versus this powerful Roman religion that won't prevail against it. That was one highlight for me. And the other, and it was just later that same day, we got to go to the Mount of Beatitudes and over, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And we had a communion worship there and it was profoundly moving for me. Hmm. There were so many highlights for me. I will talk about this in a minute, but it, it felt like two different trips to me. And the, 
the first part of this trip, the, the walking in the footsteps of Jesus and actually seeing these biblical sites was very moving. And particularly for me, were, were the outdoor spaces, similar to, the, to what Anna was talking about. Um, certainly Caesarea Philippi was, a, was, sure. a, was an amazing site. Uh, Mount Carmel, uh, where Elijah had the showdown with the prophets of Baal. Was a, was a cool, evocative place. It was thunderstorming while we were there, which was really cool because if you know the story from First Kings, you know, it was it's a drought again. that was ended by, you know, this storm, you know, so it was really cool to be up there in a storm. Uh, the Mount of Beatitudes and the Sea of Galilee being on the, the seashore of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus called the disciples uh, right there um, mm. in Capernaum was, was really evocative for me. Being in the Jordan River was incredibly evocative for me. So, so these places where it was like, this was the site and it was the site in terms of, you know, you can look around and see the landscape and the way that the hills roll and how difficult it is to get from place to place. And the topography is just incredibly rugged. So, so to get a real feel for that is going to change the way I read a lot of those stories. Mm. And that was a, a big highlight for me. And in, in terms of these spaces, you know, I, I was mentioning earlier, like there's, there's all these different spots that you go to and it's like, oh, Jesus did this here. And the outdoor ones were really amazing and evocative to me. But then there were these other ones where it was like, OK, this is the spot that he fed the 5000, the loaves and the fishes spot. And this is the rock that he did it on. But it's inside a church now. They built a church over everything. So it's like in, in a lot of these places, it's like this is the spot or this is the rock. But then they build a big chapel or a church around it. And those places weren't as weren't as interesting to me. It's like, OK, I'm in a church. That's neat. It's a nice looking church. And it's like, okay, this is the spot, but that, that didn't really get the feeling to me. And it's probably because of the tactile kind of guy that I am. And he's such a camp guy. I'm a camp guy, right? That's such a camp guy. Why isn't it just outside? It should be outside. <laughs> there was water, got his shoes off, rolled up his pants and got in. And uh, I think, didn't even once fall in? Uh, no, no, that was, that was, uh, that was another person, <laughs> former camp director that was also on the trip, a friend of ours. No, um, <laughs> But the, yeah, these outdoor spaces were so evocative. It, it, it's funny, you know, I was I was reflecting on this because I've always been at these camps that do, um, you know, experiential uh, biblical experiences. Like sure. uh, I've been confirmation camps where we reenact the Exodus. Right. And we do the crossing of the Red Sea. We do things like that. Very experiential um, or Christ walks. Christ where you're walking and, from yeah. place to place with Jesus. Um, and those to me were moving and incredibly evocative experiences as you as you play it out as you act it out as you're kind of in the space i was thinking and i was going to feel that even more in the holy land and some of the places i did right so the judean wilderness i did like the place where jesus was tempted right mm. the place where, where the, the good samaritan story is is set where there's these cracks in these crags that robbers could jump out from anywhere it's a dangerous road clearly those were evocative uh but some of these other spots like oh it's a church i'm in a church and it just didn't feel as evocative for me. And, and so in that way, hmm. I, I, I always encourage camps to think about their site layout and how they use the resources that they have and how they're getting the kids outside um, and, and how that can be so much more evocative than, oh, we're inside in this space. Um, but to be outside where um, different things can happen, where you can see like when we were out on the, the Sea of Galilee and there were there were birds and doves flying around and pigeons, you know, like it's just, it's just more evocative that way sure. as, you, as you think about, you know, the, the actual biblical story. So um, that was a long winded way of ask, answering your question, wasn't it? No, that's so, all right. Lots of highlights, lots of highlights. Lots of good highlights. Mm -hmm. Was there anything um, 
that you like, of course, it, right, it was a new place. You were seeing all these new places. But I'm curious if there was anything new, like what maybe it's, I don't know, food or sort of how like how the lodging was or anything like that. Anything that you were like, oh, that's new. I haven't tried that or done anything like that before. Anything like that stand out? I have never crossed a militarized checkpoint before. Oh, no. sure. And we did sure. that a fair number of times because wow. uh, it's a, you know, it's a conflicted land. Right. Um, and we stayed the second part of our trip. We stayed in uh, Bethlehem and it, that's what it's walled off. So every day we had hmm. to go through the wall. That that was definitely a new experience for me. Wow. I definitely want to go there. Exactly what Anna's talking about, um, because I, I said it felt like two different trips at the same time. One was this walking in the literal footsteps of Jesus. And then one was this asking the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to walk in the footsteps of Jesus when we see such injustice? And so um, that really was a powerful part of the experience um, to be in the West Bank and to see the, the settlements where the Israelis took over people's homes and water sources and walled them off and built big high rises for, for, for their people. And kicked other people out of their land and, and, and where people in like, like Anna was saying in Bethlehem, they couldn't leave. They were basically prisoners in their own town, the walled town with only three entrances and exits. Um, and they needed a special mm. pass to leave. So that certainly was part of the experience, but that, that's not where I was going to go quite yet with, the, with <laughs> my, my answer to your question in terms of like the unique experience, the thing that came to mind first was floating in the Dead Sea. Hmm. That was a singular experience that I'm not sure can be replicated. You know, I, I've always heard people talk about it being really cool. Right. Like you got to try this. And it's sort of like, okay, you float. I've floated before, but sure, I'll do it. <laughs> it is, you can't even describe it. it. It's so crazy the way that you float and the way that you can't sink. You can't, like, the, part of the game was we tried to, like stand be upright not stand because your feet aren't your feet aren't touching sure. the, but like doing the toothpick be upright in the water sure. and you couldn't stay upright because your feet and your legs would start floating up so it was like a core workout just <laughs> to try to stay upright it was and, and you didn't want to get your face in the water but anyway it was a singular experience that i think uh everybody mm. should try if they get a chance to go there because it, it's really hard to describe what it's like i bet that's great. Okay, so let's go let's go somewhere around there now. And and this can be for both of you. What struck you? What struck you about this experience? Jake, you started to talk about one of those things and you know, we talked a little about how about how that was striking. I, yeah, let's let's go over feels right there. What struck you mm -hmm. on your trip? Well, I think sort of piggybacking on on Jake's comment about it being the two sort of parallel experiences the walking sort of through biblical times i mean even got to see some old roman roads and then this very mm. uh modern contemporary problem of occupied palestinian lands putting those two things next to each other was was very profound because i kept thinking about how jerusalem has pretty much always been an occupied land. Hmm. So those the stories in scripture 
uh, writes, a big part of the tension that leads to the events of Holy Week is that there are different power structures, right? There's the temple authorities and there's the Roman occupiers uh, and there's the people who think that Jesus is going to rise up and overthrow the Romans and that these political realities we sometimes take for granted in the founding stories of our faith, but they were on full display as we were in this land that we call holy. Yeah. And I mean, I'll just reiterate that too, that what struck me was the the double experience, you know, cause I really anticipated the former that I've been talking about the sure. walking in the footsteps, the getting the feels being in a place that's evocative of scripture itself. That was the Judean wilderness for me. It was, it's desert, deep canyons. It was very evocative of Psalm 23. Do mm-hmm. I walk through the valley mm-hmm. of the shadow of death? I shall fear no evil, right? So that's an actual place. The valley of the shadow of death. You look down into it. The place where the, the good Samaritan story is, is set. It's uh, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness set. So it's like to be in those spaces was incredibly evocative. So I expected that. But what struck me was the wrestling that I really was, I mean, was, was I forced to do it? <laughs> did it? Did it happen uh, because the Holy Spirit works this way? Uh, was it planned in the trip itinerary? Whatever the reason is, it happened that I, I really started wrestling with the question, what does it mean to walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Like I can, I can walk in the actual, the literal footsteps of Jesus. Like Jesus was on this mountain. This is where he gave the sermon on the Mount. Jesus was here on this lake shore. Mm. You know, he was out in a boat on this lake. He was in the Jordan river in this spot, you know? So there was that experience, but the questioning of, but is that what it is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus? And the obvious answer is no. Discipleship is so much more than being in the spot. Following Jesus is so much more than just the pilgrimage, right? So um, the pilgrimage, we have this experience and now we return. That's, part of, that's always part of the pilgrimage. How do you incorporate now what you learned into your life? And I think of this for something like the interpretation of scripture. You know, we can read the scripture and get an understanding of what Jesus was literally trying to say or what, what the Bible was meaning to the people of that time. Um, you know, we, we've taken lots of classes, you know, in seminary uh, to, to, to teach us how to read the scriptures. And what does the scripture say to me right now in my life right now? As I'm as I'm walking this journey, because Jesus is walking beside us. So we don't just walk in the footsteps of of somebody who lived 2000 years ago. We walk beside Savior of the world who walks with us now and is active in this world. We don't believe in a dead God. We believe in a living God. Uh, We believe in the God who walks beside us and with us and helps us interpret our lives through fellow Christians, which we were with on this pilgrimage, through strangers who we encountered in, the, in this land that we call holy, um, and through the scriptures themselves. For those of you who've you know, read the Bible or read passages multiple times, you'll know that 
at different points in your life, they speak to right. you in different ways. They hit differently, right? Yep. That's, that's one of the ways that God can speak to us through scripture. And so we go to the Holy Land and we get a better sense of scripture and the literal meaning of scripture and a better sense of the meaning of scripture and what is our calling in this world. What now shall I do? And that response is really what has been striking me. Yeah. It, it's, it's that it's, it's not done, right? I think this is the difference between taking a pilgrimage and going on a vacation. And, you know, because we're sacred playgrounds, we think about this as part of what we want for the camp experience, right? We do want it to be a pilgrimage. We want it to be something that goes home with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that you keep wrestling with, that you keep reflecting on, that you want to share with other people. I've gotten to do some amazing vacations in my life. But be honest, coming home from the beach in Mexico didn't really change me. Mm. You know, this, this I will reflect on for many years. And I don't think I'm done. I think I need to go back. Sacred Playgrounds team trip. Yeah, right? <laughs> okay. Setting it up. Here. So you said you said set it up. You said uh, you said a word there that I was curious about to to hear from from you. And I hear that you're still processing. So maybe yeah, there isn't even a absolutely. clear answer to this yet. But you said you said I don't know that the beach in Mexico, besides the sunburn, changed me. Right. That's the question I'm I'm curious about here. Did anything change in you? Will you? Are you so far? Even though there's more processing processing to do, finding yourself thinking or feeling or acting differently because of this experience. Yeah. And I'm not sure that I'm yet able to articulate it. Sure. Um, so I will say I am, what I'm doing differently is noticing, um, being intentional about finding what's happening in the news right now about Israel and Palestine. So making sure that I am more informed because it's, it's so easy, you know, to go on sort of crisis news overload and just tune it out. Next headline, next headline, next headline. Oh, that's tragic. That's tragic. That's tragic. But Hmm. you know, it's like when it happens to your people, it's not just some distant tragedy. And I feel that, you know, I was only there for a few days, but some of those people are my friends now. One of the things that we got to do as part of this trip, because of the, the tour group that we were with, is interact with some of the ministry leaders on the ground. Okay. And some of the, the ministries specifically connected with our, our tribe, our Lutheran church, because the Lutheran church has been very active um, in the Holy Land. There's an evangelical Lutheran church, of Jordan and the Holy Land. And we got to meet some of the pastors mm-hmm. and hear some of their stories about the ministry that's going on there. Um, and some of the ministries that we're connected to as a larger church, something like Augusta Victoria Hospital, which we got to visit. It's a hospital on the Mount of Olives. And so it's this, wow. this amazing place, right? So you're on the Mount of Olives and you're looking out and seeing Jerusalem, the famous skyline of Jerusalem, what Jesus saw, what he wept over, right? It's this amazing spot to be on the Mount of Olives. Um, and so there's this hospital that serves Palestinian people, and it is the only hospital that Palestinian people can go to and get advanced cancer treatment. 
and get kidney treatment because they are not welcome at Israeli hospitals. And so without the ministry of this hospital, people would not have access to vital medical care. And there's only a few hospitals in Palestine that offer any sort of advanced care to these folks. And this is the only one that offers cancer treatment and, um, and renal treatment. And so it's, it's vital to support these ministries and to let people know that, hey, this is, a, this is a ministry that our church supports. And without our church being strong and continuing to support this, it wouldn't exist. And this means real people's lives. We also went yeah. to a university that serves uh, Palestinian people and specifically teaches them in the arts. And so they have a film mm. school and they have a different media of, oh. of visual arts and all sorts of different writing, things like that. And, and that's one of the, the ways that people can resist some of the oppression is through artwork. And, and one of the ways that, that we can respond is by consuming this art. And looking for it in places like Netflix and, and, and buying some of the art online, things okay. like that, is an actual way that we can support some of these folks. But this university, it serves Palestinian people, and about a quarter of their students are Christians, and about three quarters are Muslim. You know, it's a place of coming together as well. Because mm. the, the Christian population in the Holy Land has been declining, especially in recent decades, because there are so few opportunities. They've been oppressed and pushed on a smaller and smaller pieces of land and, and getting their rights taken away from them. And so people with means oftentimes say, I'm going to go somewhere else and have better opportunities. So it's, it's so vital to support these folks and to support the movement, the movement of resistance to what is in, in a strict definition sense is apartheid. That's a big word. But an accurate word, right? But it's not wrong. It's a heavy word because it's a heavy reality of mm-hmm. people's lives. They're so often dehumanized and lumped into certain categories. And so people hear, you know, the Holy Land, like my own family members. Oh, my. Is it safe to go there? <laughs> you know, aren't they all terrorists there? Make sure you don't go into the West Bank or Gaza. Uh, because all those people are terrorists. And of course, that's not true. We can say that intellectually. Like We know that's not right. true. And it's also dehumanizing to you know, dismiss these people who are trying to live their lives and who are being oppressed um, to dismiss them a- a- as terrorists. And of course, it was very safe. And uh, we had, again, a wonderful tour guide who, if there were hotspot areas, we, we avoided them. For example, there's been protests recently at Jacob's Well. And so we did not go to Jacob's well, the famous site in the Old Testament, but it's also mm-hmm. the site of the woman at the well story from the, the Gospel of John. And so we avoided that because, you know, there had been some some unrest in that area. So uh, but that's that's part of the reality of our trip. There were places that we didn't go and, and couldn't go. Help us live a little bit vicariously through you. What can we what can we do? What can we um, kind of learn from from the experience that that you got to have. Um, I would say for those who have the opportunity, go see it. Take a pilgrimage. Of course, we would definitely uh, recommend Elias tours that we went with, but 
We heard again and again, thank you for being here. This is important. Tourism is our livelihood. We really, we want Americans and Westerners to come. Hmm. This is such an important connection point for us. Our tour guide was Christian. And he said, you know, during COVID, we didn't have pilgrims. And we are so glad you are back. We don't feel so alone anymore. We, we just, hmm. when the Christians from around the world come here, we feel that, that tangibly, we feel that support of our siblings in Christ. So that's one. If you have the opportunity to make a pilgrimage and to see this with your own eyes, take it. And then, and two, I think Jake alluded to this earlier. Those of us in North America, we've got a lot of, a lot of privilege of, of purse, right? So we can, we can be intentional with the media we consume, like seek out a Palestinian filmmaker. They, uh, Netflix opened their catalog to Palestinians last year before that it was prohibited, but you could choose to watch one of those films, uh, or, you know, buy a piece of olive wood art from the Holy Land or, you know, there's very tangible ways to support the ministries of the people who support the pilgrims. And give, you know, there's obviously direct donations to things like Augusta Victoria Hospital and some of the universities okay. and things like that. So there's 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 ways to give and, and, and do that. So I, I think all of those direct supports, absolutely taking the pilgrimage, you know, I. I was sort of struggling with that because I was like, oh, here I am, this rich Westerner, rich in the, the eyes of most of the world. Is this the right thing to do? Like, why am I here? And then to hear them say, no, this is one of the ways that you can help is by coming sure, um, and bringing other people. And so I think there's an opportunity, actually, for, for church leaders um, and for camp leaders to uh, bring groups. Um, consider leading a group of donors uh, to the Holy Land. Uh, people that want to go on pilgrimage, help them have this evocative experience and, um, and, and help participate in this, uh, this important movement of, of support uh, for the Palestinian people. Um, but also, what a, what a great way to engage uh, your people and your donors. So something to consider, I think, for, for our camp directors and our church leaders. And then also, uh, closer to home, to, to think about your camp and your camp experience. And what are the evocative places? Uh, what are the things where you're immersing people in the story? There are places where I felt immersed in the story. And there are places where I felt like I was just being rushed through. So like the Church of the Nativity is in Bethlehem, right? It's the site of Jesus' birth. And it's like you can go down, you can touch the cave floor, you can touch the manger. But it felt like a just a tourist thing where we just hustled through sort of thing. Beautiful church and everything. But it wasn't as evocative, again, as being out in the Judean wilderness and reflecting out there. Um, and so, so making sure that you're getting your young people into these evocative places and interacting with scripture there. And so if you're reading the story, we'll, we'll go with uh, First Kings again, because I talked about Mount Carmel, but you're, you're reading the story about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Don't read that story in your cabin or inside anywhere. Sure. Be up on the side of the mountain, you know, and be talking about this and place where it can be more evocative. So, so think about how scripture can be experiential. Uh, and, and think about how your program can mm -hmm. be experiential. Mm -hmm. And I really do think we should do an episode on this later on. But um, but the importance of something like those interactive experiences, like a Christ hike or reenacting sure. the Exodus story, those can be really powerful and really evocative. And in the, in the, in the idea of I'm walking 
this story. I'm part of this story. When it becomes your story, it becomes really, really important. And so um, how can we make these things experiential? I think that's some of the wisdom that we can glean to. You guys, thank you for the little bit of, of walkthrough. I know you had a, a blessed experience. I love hearing that you can't help but sort of not be done in your processing. So if you you know, have more questions or want to hear about this particular tour or anything like that, you can reach out, listeners, and Jake and Anna can tell you a little bit more about, about this thing or that thing. But thank you, guys. Thank you for, for hopping on, walking through, taking you know, me and these listeners together on this, on this bit of a journey. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. This episode was produced by me, Jared Rendell, and featured Dr. Jake Sorensen, lead researcher and founder at Sacred Playgrounds, LLC. Our theme music was written and performed by Taylor Wilson. You can find his original songs wherever you get your music. Learn more and connect with the Sacred Playgrounds team at sacredplaygrounds.com.